Welcome, welcome everybody. My name is Mike Burnett. I'm so honored to serve with Stephanie as pastors of the church here and our team. So thankful to have all of you and welcome, welcome. If this is your first time at LifePoint Church or your first time back in a while, we wanna say a big, huge welcome to all of you. Thank you for being here, LifePoint. Can we give it up for our online church and our first time guest today, everybody? Welcome, welcome. We have a huge crowd joining at Austin Peay State University today, and I want to take a special moment and say we love you and thank God for you every day as well, and we're so honored to be with you guys today. Happy Easter, everybody. Christ is risen indeed. Praise the Lord. We're so thankful that you're here. It's always a Sunday with a lot of guests, and so we believe that you're here because God wants you to be here today, and we want to say welcome. Make yourself at home. Meet some new friends. Have some coffee. Have some cookies, and welcome to LifePoint Church. Well, thank you for being a generous church. I wanna say thanks on the front end and tell you uh, just a a way that your giving is continuing to make a difference. We we as a church wanna thank you for your continuously making a difference through tithing and giving offerings, whether you give through the website, our app, in the mail, or in one of the boxes in our lobbies, I wanna say thank you. And I wanna highlight today one of our partners here in Clarksville, specifically because some new and exciting things are happening at YAPAC Outreach. Come on, everybody. Don't you love YAPAC Outreach? We love what they do. And if you're new to our church or not familiar, YAPAC is a local nonprofit working specifically to help and resource women, children, and veterans who are in various stages of need and crisis. And they are also doing an amazing work in disaster relief. This is something that they have really stepped into Uh, not by accident, but by providence, but they are always the first on the scene and the last to leave when disaster strikes, whether it's a natural disaster like the flood in Waverly, tornadoes in Western and Middle Tennessee and Kentucky, they are still serving faithfully there and your giving makes a a difference to help them stay uh, resourced and on the ground. I have some pictures of their new facility that I just wanted to show you through an amazing partnership with Milan Enterprises, who we love and we're thankful for them, as well as others, including you and your generosity Your giving is a big part of getting this new warehouse beautified and ready for outreaches and Bible studies, discipleship, and job training. In fact, this is one of the the newest room that they have outfitted, which is designed to help folks do their training, do small groups, discipleship, and also job readiness training, and and to be the front door of the YAPAC warehouse. They are also staging readily for disaster responses. Every time you give here, A portion of your giving goes out of this church, and YAPAC is one of our strategic partners here in town, and we're so thankful for them. They're also dealing in lives, like they're dealing with lives changed and transformed, and they shared a story with me this week about a man named Paul. Paul was a veteran who had struggled through a lot of things that had happened in his career and also some really dark moments in his own life, but they built a relationship with Paul in a homeless encampment, and they got a call from some friends in the camp who said Paul had disappeared, he had gotten really sick, not feeling good, so they were very concerned. They send a search team out. So now YAPAC is doing disaster relief and search and rescue missions. Come on, somebody. They just know what they're doing. So they start searching for Paul. And he had actually crawled behind a large fallen tree, uh, hoping to disappear. And there, there's a story that like the providence of God, he's in the woods behind a tree and this beam of sunlight breaks through the trees and lands exactly on his foot, which is like a spotlight onto where he was. So they said they see this beam of light and they followed it down to his boot and they find Paul laying behind this tree. So they get him to Vanderbilt Hospital. He has this terrible diagnosis that he's not gonna make it through the week and they actually discovered some nasty cancerous tumors all over his body. So they, uh, Sherry, who's the director of YAPAC, she said she and her team, they decided they wanted to get in and pray with him. He's in quarantine and they said no, but they pushed, pushed, pushed and finally at Vanderbilt, they let them in to pray with Paul. 
in this hospital room. And Paul gives his life and heart to Jesus in that hospital room. And then they begin to pray for God to heal his body miraculously. They lay hands on Paul in Vanderbilt Hospital to, that God would heal him from these tumors. And before their eyes and in front of the doctors, the tumors began to disappear off of his body right then and there. Come on, somebody, isn't that amazing? The story goes on. Paul had two children in college that he hadn't spoken with in a long time. His son, supposed to graduate from West Point following in his father's footsteps in military. Well, after Paul had now received Christ and he's received healing in his body, he begins this process of restoring relationship with his sons, his, his kids, and today their family is completely restored. He is thriving and actually, Paul is now in Oklahoma City training for ministry in order to help other people. Come on, in Yapex, doing an amazing work. So thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity. Every time you give, man, our partnership with the APAC stays strong and lives are being changed. That healing story just gets me fired up. All hail King Jesus to the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Hey, well, today's Easter Sunday. So since you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I've titled the message today, Welcome Home. Everybody say, Welcome Home. And for everybody here, that's what we want for you at LifePoint. We want you to feel welcome, feel comfortable, and feel at home. Now, before I get into the message, I gotta know what kind of crowd I'm dealing with. I wanna do a little poll, okay? I need to know it's Easter time and there are some uh, major controversies that happen at Easter every year and we're gonna bring that to the forefront here today. I need to know what kind of crowd I'm dealing with. I need to know how many of you love Cadbury cream eggs? Seven of you, that's terrible because we got one for every one of you when you leave services today. <laughs> how many of you hate these things? You think they're disgusting? You, yeah, well. All right, good. Uh, well, enjoy your egg after service today. How about this? This is the candy debate. How many of you are Cadbury mini eggs people? Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Yes. This is what I'm talking about. Once a year, Cadbury does something worth rejoicing over. And it's putting these out in little purple bags. I tell my wife every year, she gets Easter candy. I said, hey, I don't care what you get for our girls. I don't care what you do for others. Just get me one bag of Cadbury mini eggs. They're mine. Guess what she didn't get me this year? I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. I'm not bitter. How about, how about peanut butter or chocolate? I just need to know what kind of crowd are we dealing with here? I mean, if you know the streets of heaven are paved in peanut butter and chocolate, everybody. I'm just saying. The whole Reese's family is just up there. It's like the, the, the 12 tribes, you know what I'm saying? Anybody, Easter bunny people, chocolate bunnies, anybody? Yeah, no one, all right. Well, the 1950s called, they want their candy back. You know what I'm saying? But if you were to get one of these, should it be hollow or should it be solid? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, good, we're all together on this. Any people love, what in God's name is wrong with you? Every time in my life, I've tried to like these things. People, and then, and then like the loyalists to peeps are loyal. Like they're super loyal. And then they'll give you ways to try them. Have you tried them in a microwave? Have you tried them with milk? I don't know, like they're terrible every time. In fact, the only peeps I like are these ones. Now look at this, look at this scene, these peeps, roasting marshmallow peeps. Oh no, I just found this picture to be hysterical. <laughs> Is that carnivores here? I don't know. Um, any old school jelly bean people? Just old school. No? Yes, no? How about like, let's, let's go way back, just seven colors of jelly beans. You know what I'm talking about? Not all these fruit, fruit, fruit flavors. Who, who, who likes the black licorice jelly beans? Yeah, you need salvation. I'm just saying, that's, something's wrong with the folks that pick the black jelly beans out first. Like, that's just, you're old. That's all it is. 
And then finally, who's the guy that eats the, the colored eggs, the ones that your kids died, and you're like, we're not wasting these, so I'm gonna eat them by God. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Anyway, I just wanna know what kind of people we're dealing with today on this Easter Sunday, so I just wanted to do that quick poll. It, it goes nowhere else in the sermon, that's it. It's, we're done, so enjoy your Cadbury eggs as you leave the services today. For those of you that hate them, just leave them, you know what I'm saying, it's fine. Well, welcome home, everybody, and uh, welcome to this Easter service. We all know the feeling of visiting someone's house for the first time, staying in a strange place for the first time, and not really sure how welcome we are, right? It's an uncomfortable feeling. We're not always sure what privileges or rights we have when we get there, like, like can we open any door? What's behind that door? Like, where do I sit? Are we a shoeless house? Do I have to take my shoes off, or can I kick my feet up on the coffee table? Which bathroom can I use? What can I do in the bathroom? You know what I'm saying? Like, do I get my own water glass, or, or do I have to wait on, on you to serve me completely? So like, we know that awkward feeling of being in a new home and not quite sure if we're welcome or not. There's a totally different feeling when we visit someone's house we're close with or a parent or family member, right? Like we, we will always feel immediately comfortable. We, we're very much at home. We have all sorts of freedom. You can go where you want, get what you want. Hey, serve yourself, take care of yourself. Open the fridge, get in the cupboards, come and go as you feel. Don't we love the feeling of being welcomed in someone's home, instantly feeling included like you belong? Well, I think it should be the same way in the church. I think it should be that way within a local church context. My hope for everybody who ever shows up at LifePoint Church is that you would absolutely get the sense that you are welcome here. In fact, let me just say it on the front end as the pastor of this church. We are so glad that you're here. We say welcome home. No one has to fill out an application to attend LifePoint Church. Can I hear an amen, everybody? You are welcome here. Relax, lean in and engage and let the Lord have his way in your heart and your life. We've said for years, everybody's welcome to have their lives changed by Jesus, have their lives transformed or wrecked by the Lord. Now, he's not gonna let you stay like you got here, but you're certainly welcome to be a part of God's house here. Amen, everybody. Even more than making people feel welcome in our home or making people feel welcome in our church, I believe everyone should feel welcome into the family of God. We should all feel the open arms of invitation from God our Father that says, welcome home my son, welcome home my daughter. And I'm not sure, honestly, as the church, that we've historically done a great job of revealing the heart of God and rolling out the welcome mat into the family of God. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure what your experience has been like, but I've worked around church people long enough and around the church long enough to know that many people don't feel at home with the Lord. They don't feel loved enough by God. They don't feel forgiven for real. They don't feel empowered by God or empowerable by God, and they don't feel worthy to be called a son or a daughter. Maybe it's baggage, maybe it's past, maybe it's decisions you've made, maybe it's how you grew up, or maybe this, your, your, your racial makeup, your ethnic makeup, or the baggage that you're struggling through right now. Many people struggle to feel welcome with the Lord. But I think the gospel, and let me just qualify by saying the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a giant welcome home message. The true gospel message is that this Lord Jesus himself is throwing wide the front door of heaven and inviting everyone on earth to come as you are 
Make yourselves at home, enjoy whatever God has in his kingdom fridge, and it is an open invite for you and I to become sons and daughters of our heavenly father. We are invited in to be family, to begin looking like our father, to begin sounding like and talking like and behaving like the spirit of God lives on the inside of us as sons and daughters of the king of heaven. The death and resurrection of Jesus would become the key to unlock that now open door. So I want us to look together at a central text related to the gospel that gives us clarity. It, it's very simple, it's very clear. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In fact, at this point in the letter, Paul's done a lot of corrections, a lot of teaching, a lot of rebuking, but he gets really down to the nitty gritty here in, in chapter 15, starting in verse one, with the gospel as simply as he can state it. I wanna read it together, and then we're gonna walk it through together. Starting in verse one, he says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Then he appeared to Cephas, which is another name for Peter, the apostle. Then Jesus appeared to Cephas. Then he appeared to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, his own brother, and then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, Jesus appeared to me also. I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Lord, bless the reading of your word. Challenge us and transform us today by this amazing gospel that welcomes us into the family of God. In Jesus' name. I want us to look at the first thought that our foundation for living, our foundation for how we do life in this world, our foundation is God's gospel. Now, the word gospel is actually a word that simply means good news. It's good news. It's God's good news. Let me read this again for you slowly, starting in verse one. Look what he says. I would remind you, brothers, which implies some things we're gonna talk about in a second. He says, I wanna remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. So he's bringing back a message that he had already given to them at one point first. In fact, the Corinthians were not an established church prior to Jesus' resurrection. The Corinthians were not an established church until the apostle Paul came to Corinth and preached the gospel and started a church. So he starts this church in Corinth and he had preached it, built it on the gospel, but for some reason they had gotten away from the gospel. In fact, all of the first 14 chapters of 1 Corinthians are Paul bringing correction to the fact that these Corinthians had gotten away from the gospel. And so now he's saying, let me go back to what I said at first. Let me remind you of what I preached to you, which you received. He's reminding them, he said, you guys received this gospel. It is the gospel in which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to this word unless you believed in vain. What an amazing opener. Now, if you don't know the context, all of Corinthians, this letter so far, was written as an instruction and correction for some crazy things they were involved in. 
talking about how to have relationships within the church, about giving, about sexual morality, about marriage, about spiritual gifts. And Paul's writing a letter to bring correction to this church. But he's the one who God used to write this letter. He's also the one that God used to plant this network of churches in Corinth. But now he's shifted to a pastoral and teaching heart. He calls them brothers, which is language of spiritual family. He's reminding them, hey, we're all family under God, our Father. And he says, I want to remind you, which implies at least that somehow they had forgotten this. Somehow they had lost focus here. Maybe that's the case for you and me. Maybe we've also lost focus on this reality of the gospel, the central message of how we live our lives and how we live for God. He said, I want to remind you of what's most important. Look at what he says. I remind you of this thing that I taught you at first, what I preached to you. Now listen, after teaching on all these topics, he says, this is what's most important. What's most important is not these doctrinal disputes that we're having. What's most important is not you trying to have your best life now. What's most important is not you trying to go your own way. What's most important is this gospel, this good news. And he explains what the good news is in a moment, but look at how he describes what we do with it. He said, first of all, this gospel that's been preached to you and you have received. In other words, he's saying, you heard it, you accepted it, you believed it, and now you've received it in a way that says, I wanna live with it. Imagine someone giving you a gift and you just staring at it go, that's for me, but you don't actually reach your hands out, take it, unwrap it, and then use it. And he said, you got this gospel and you've received it now. So, so for those of these Corinthian Christians and for those of us in the room, not only have we heard the gospel and maybe even believe that it's true, but have you received the gospel and taken it into your life and said, I'm gonna live with this story. I'm gonna live with this good news that Christ is resurrected and he is the Lord of my life. He said, we received this gospel. He says, this is the gospel in which you stand. That is, that you anchor your life into this story. No longer am I trying to stand myself in other things and establish myself in other ways of life, but I've anchored myself, I've I've stood myself into this gospel, and this is the way I live my life. He said, this is the gospel by which you are being saved. Now, this is an interesting phrase for him because He's writing to Christians. So many of us might read this and go, I thought they're already saved, right? As Christians, that's the language of the New Testament, that when you become a Christian, you've been saved. But notice he says, by which you are being saved, which has language of progression. What he's saying here is like, you've been born again, but now you're being transformed by this gospel still. You may have accepted that it's real and believed it, but now you gotta let the gospel have its work in you. This is what redemption is. This is what discipleship is. Not only have you made a confession that Jesus is Lord, but now you're saying he's still the Lord of my life and he's still transforming and and saving me moving forward. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Aren't you glad God's not done with us yet? If it was just believe in this and then hang on till heaven, man, what a thin gospel. It's believe in this, receive it, accept it, and let God still have his way in your life. This is why Christianity, Christians should always be coming more and more like Christ, being changed from glory to glory, being transformed, being, having sin called out of us, and being convicted of sin because we are still being saved and transformed by him. Look at this. If you hold fast, so we receive this gospel, we stand our lives, we anchor ourselves in this gospel, we're being saved by this gospel, there's no other way of salvation, no other way of devotion and development but through the gospel. And then he says we're to hold fast to this gospel. I want you to think of the phrase uh, like a fastener or a buckle or a zipper holding your clothes together. Come on somebody, how many of you thankful 
These are the bigger days for me right now. I'm so thankful for buttons. You know, I'm in between sizes right now, so I need to fasten it all up. I got one laugh. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> I want you to imagine that this gospel is the thing that fastens around us, keeps our life together. It's like buckles on a belt. It's like zippers and buttons on a jacket. He's saying, he's saying we receive this gospel. We stand in this. We're being saved by this if we hold fast to it. I kind of, I'm challenged by that language, honestly. I'm asking my own self the question, like am I holding fast to the message that Jesus is Lord of every part of my life? Am I, am I being held together by this reality? Am I standing in this reality of the gospel that he's raised from the dead for me as Lord and master over all of my life? If you hold fast to this, Paul is clear. This is something we need, something we need to be reminded of every day. Listen, this gospel is foundational for us. We should receive it. Take that gift from God. Receive it and stand in it. Hold fast to it and be, let God have his work in you. And then he says, unless you believed it in vain. And I'm just gonna tell you, I think after 20 years plus in ministry, like I've just seen it. It's, it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to stand in it, receive it, hold fast to it. It's easy to believe this thing in vain. Yes, I believe that happened, but I wanna do what I want. I'm gonna live how I want. I'm gonna be who I want to be. He goes on to say in verse three, now unpacking what this gospel is, I delivered to you as a first importance. Can I, can I just tell you that the risen Jesus is the most important thing about your life? The risen savior, the risen King Jesus, the fact that we live for him, we honor him, we've given our lives to him, that is the central point of our lives. More than anything else, more than our success, more than our family, more than money, more than anything else, the fact that I serve King Jesus should be the central important thing in our lives as Christians. And for those of us that it's not, you're gonna have an opportunity to fix that today. We believe that's why you're here. He said, I, I, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Notice he said, you guys should have received this. And he said, I had to receive it too. How I many of you know your pastor should be a believer in Jesus too, right, amen? Okay, you don't care? All right, well, here's what he said. This is what I received, ready? Right. This is it, the gospel. Here it is in a nutshell, two, two verses that Christ died for our sins in accordance to scripture. Genesis three is the beginning time that we're gonna see that God would give the seed of that man, of, of Eve, right? That, that he would be the one to pay for our sins. Christ died for our sins in accordance to scripture. And at the time they didn't have the whole canon of the Bible. They had the prophetic literature, they had the old covenant and they knew this stuff, the language of, of the Psalms, the language of Isaiah 49 and 53, that, that there would be a Messiah to give his life, led to the slaughter, that Christ died for our sins, number one, that he was buried. In other words, he really died and went to the ground and third, that he was raised on the third day, all, day also in accordance with the scripture. In other words, what he's saying is, the Bible said this was gonna happen, guys. And it has happened. Christ died for our sins, he was buried and he was raised. This is it, this is the good news. This is the great news. Listen, God did this for us. He died for our sin, he was buried and he was raised in accordance to the scripture. Here's the, here's the implications here. Number one, he says that Christ died. Jesus Christ died for everyone's sins. And the scripture told us this would happen. Remember the Old Testament scriptures, he's saying, they, they knew this would happen from Isaiah, Psalms, Genesis, that God the Son, listen to me, this was not God the Father sent his little boy down there to take punishment. No, 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 God the Father 
God the Son chose to come and give his life as a ransom for us. God the Son died in our place so that we would never have to sacrifice for our sins again. That the sacrifice for sin, the forgiveness of sin, has been carried out and made available to everybody. God did that for us. Can somebody say amen? Second, that he was buried. It's important to realize Jesus didn't just get knocked out. He didn't just pass out for a couple days and take a good long nap in a tomb. No, no, no. He physically died. He literally and physically died. The body of Jesus, his heart stopped. His brain function quit. His breathing was done. He died and was buried in a tomb. Never before in history had someone dead come back to life without the power of God in it. Listen to me. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. I think it's interesting. That was a type and shadow of who Jesus would become for us. Then it says Jesus was raised from the dead on that Sunday. This is Easter. This is the reason we celebrate as the church. This is why we're celebrating today. And listen, this is the center of everything we believe. That Jesus died, was buried, and yet Jesus raised from the dead. And in doing so, Jesus defeated death, the power of death to give us fear, to cause us anxiety. Death no longer has a hold on us. It is simply a transition into eternal life as sons and daughters of God. He defeated death. And in doing so, he paid for our sins to be forgiven. Listen, and for us to be delivered from sins, for us to be transformed out of darkness into light. And in resurrecting, Jesus made a way to invite us into God's family. This cross is the ultimate invitation, our welcome home. The Bible tells us that because of this gospel, we can become a new creation. Because If you've received it, if you hold fast, if you stand in this thing, we become a new creation. Because of this gospel, we can be born again. That only through this gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again can we be forgiven for our sin. No matter what sins you carry, you can be forgiven. You can be transformed out of that stuff. You can be delivered and made new, made whole with God, restored into right relationship with God forever. Is anybody excited about this gospel besides me? Come on, this is great news. Only through the gospel, not through morality, not through good intentions, not through pulling up your bootstraps, trying to live your best life now, only through this gospel are we truly welcomed home. This is our foundation. Many of us in the church world, we've gotten so bent out of shape and we've worked really hard to build a foundation on a denomination or a foundation on uh, some certain beliefs and practices. Let your foundation be the gospel. Jesus is the resurrected king forever, and we hail him as God of all. So this is our welcome home message. And then I want you to see that God is a personal God, and he still welcomes you. Verse 5, after he'd raised from the dead, it says, then he, Jesus, appeared to Cephas, which is another name for Peter. Poor guy, has got three names in the Bible. Actually, four when Jesus called him Satan. Remember that one? Okay, anyway. He appeared to Cephas. Then to the 12, which now includes Matthias, all the 12 uh, disciples, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still living. This is at the time of the writing of the Corinthian letter. Some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, his own brother. That's, that's nice. Come see your baby brother. And then to all the apostles, the followers, the teachers, the, the church planners, the leaders of the church. Jesus, following his resurrection, begins a series of personal appearances which is interesting. 
We see from the gospels that he appeared to a couple women actually first. And Paul doesn't make mention here, but actually as you read the gospel of Luke and Matthew, he appeared to these women at the tomb and he tells them, go tell everybody I'm alive. Go tell others I'm alive, that that, that I'm alive and I've resurrected. It's interesting, the very first people who actually proclaimed the good news that Jesus has risen was two women. This is Jesus disrupting the stereotypes and the religious norms by having women preach the good news first. Come on, somebody. Ladies, get on it, get to preaching. This resurrected Jesus then appears to Peter, the 12 disciples, 500 other followers. It's amazing to me. He's showing himself to people and showing himself to be a personal God. Here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't set up a palace and build a throne room and go sit on a throne and go, whoo, I did all that work. I died and came back. Now y'all come see me. Get your tickets. Come on, pay your way to come to me. No, no, no. He continues to make his way to people. He continues to come to them. And then Jesus appears to others, hundreds of others. In verse eight, Paul says, last of all, as to one untimely born, which is an interesting way of saying, man, I didn't deserve this. I wasn't in the in crowd. I wasn't one of those people. I was not, I wasn't, whether it was when I was born or where I was raised or how I was brought up, I wasn't a part of those crowds with Peter and the other disciples. He said, last of all, as to one untimely born, Jesus also appeared to me. Can I just tell you how powerful it is that the Apostle Paul's sharing his testimony here? He's like, I can't believe it. Have any of you just taken a moment recently to reflect? Like, I cannot believe that God gave his grace to me. I can't, Mike Burnett feels that way. I don't know about you, but as to one untimely born, I didn't come from the right side of the tracks. I didn't have the right upbringing. I didn't have that pedigree of pastor families for decades and decades. No, no, no. God showed up to me too. He said, he appeared to me for I am the least of the apostles. I'm unworthy to be called an apostle. Some of you live your life with this phrase in your life. I'm the least, I'm unworthy. And look why Paul says it, because I persecuted the church. I love this text. I believe it's a huge encouragement to somebody today. Paul called himself and realized he's the last of all to, be, to, to find Christ. He's the least of all worthy one who was a misfit, untimely born. He, he realizes that his past should disqualify him. And he's probably right. He made terrible mistakes. He persecuted the church. If you don't know this, Paul was a terrible person. He had Christians arrested for their faith, put in jail, even killed. I've talked to people over the years that have done bad things and they're like, God can't forgive me. They've had an affair, they've stolen money, they, whatever, they've abused people or they've even killed in combat. And I've asked like, have you ever arrested and murdered Christians simply for having worship? And they go, no, I've never done that. That's terrible. It's like that became our apostle Paul. He had Christians arrested for their faith, even killed. He was a bad man. He realizes that he didn't deserve the gift of God in Jesus. But even though he didn't deserve God's love, it was by the grace of God that God saved and rescued and welcomed Paul into God's family. The grace of God simply means this, it's undeserved. It's unmerited, like it's unearned activity of God's love and movement in your life. Paul was a horrible person whom God loved. Paul was a terrible person living in sin at the moment of his repentance, in the moment of his salvation, whom God loved and for whom Jesus died. And the Lord offers to Paul a welcome home message. And that's what I believe God wants to offer to us today. I need you all to hear me on this. No matter how you've lived your life, no matter what you've done, what you've believed or rejected, what you've not believed, the gospel 
is the only hope that you have for salvation. And I want you to hear this. God still says, welcome home. God's still showing up and making appearances into people's lives today. He knows what you've done. He's not surprised by it. He's not going, I can't believe you did that. You did what? He still loves you with open arms and wants to invite you today to come into his family and be welcomed home. Some of us really struggle, probably like the Apostle Paul did, to see our past and our choices or the things we've done or maybe the way you're living right now. And we cannot believe that God would save us or change us and welcome us into his family. Maybe you've thought, well, God will save my wife or my kids. God will save my neighbors, but not me. Listen to me. Look what Paul says. I'm the least of all to be counted worthy, but by the grace of God. It's not, Paul's like, it's not because of me. It's by the grace of God. I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Remember earlier when Paul said, unless you've believed in vain, you've believed vainly. Here's what he's saying. We may not get this right, but God never gets it wrong. His grace towards me was not in vain. He ends this passage by saying, it was not I, but it's the grace of God that's in me. The grace of God, his undeserved, unmerited, unearned activity of love towards you is what activates all of this. Listen, God loves you so much. He, he, he sees what you've done and he overlooks it because he says Jesus paid for that. He died for the sins of everyone. And it's his grace that leads the way in welcoming us into his family. I wanna encourage you with this thought that God wants to welcome you home into his family. He wants you to feel at home, make your way to him as a son or a daughter. And I want you to hear something. It's not based on you. It's in spite of you. It's based on his grace for you. It's not based on you. It's, it's because he loves you, even as you are right now, no matter what you're doing. And listen, the church may not understand what you're doing. The, your, your other religious or churchy friends may be like, oh girl, not you, uh-uh, no way, sir. But I'm telling you, God, is looking at the very intent of your heart right now. He's looking at the very core of who you are. He's inviting you to come into his family. He does it through this gospel that Jesus has raised from the dead. You can know God. You can walk in full relationship with the God of heaven. God made all of those appearances to people in the early church. I think that's amazing. Again, that he didn't set up shop and say, y'all come see me. He said, I'm still coming to see you. He made all those appearances to people in the early church. And I know there are thousands of people who are a part of LifePoint whom God has shown himself to be real and loving and forgiving and welcoming. Can those that can agree with that say amen today? And just like God has revealed himself to us, God wants to reveal himself to you and make himself known to you today. And it's all through this one thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an open invitation for every one of you here today an open invite to the biggest reception ever made. We celebrate on Easter the resurrection of Jesus. Go back to the top of this text, verse one and two, look at it again. He says, now I wanna remind you, brothers, language of family, of this gospel I preached. What's the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried in a tomb. Here, here's the power of it all. And he raised from the dead according to scripture. Now look what he's saying. I wanna remind you of the gospel I preached to you. Look here at the text. 
which you have received. Have you received it? Not have you believed it. The devil believes in this. You guys understand that, right? But I want to know if, if you've received it. Like take the gift from the Lord into your own life. Open the package of his gift of salvation and receive it. Will you stand in this? It's transformative. It'll change your life. It'll, it'll change your predispositions. It'll change your appetites. The gospel of Jesus has the power to deliver you from bondage, from sin, and from uh, bad theology and idolatry. God has the power. If you will stand in this message of the gospel, it'll change you if you'll stand in it. And look at this. Are you letting him have his way? And it's the gospel that's changing you and saving you, delivering you and redeeming you. Will you hold fast to this? Will you let it fasten itself around your life? When people see you, they see a person buckled into this gospel, tightly built into the word of God. Today I've preached the gospel to you, that Jesus died for your sin, according to scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead. Will you be reminded? Will you receive it? Will you stand in this gospel? Don't try to shape the gospel around you. Let the gospel shape itself around you. Don't try to shape the gospel by you. Say, well, I want the gospel, but I want it to look like me. No, no, no. Let you look like the gospel. Will you let the Lord save you from your sin? Will you hold fast to this gospel we're preaching today? Listen to me, no matter what got you here, no matter how you've lived your life, no matter what you've done, don't make any more excuses. Will you receive the gospel and join the family of God as a son or daughter? I want desperately for you to hear these words from the Lord today. Welcome home. Father, in the name of Jesus, we have heard the word of God today. We receive it gladly with open arms. We receive this gospel and we believe with all of our hearts that it's true and it's real and that God, we can receive it today. We can hold fast to this word today. We can anchor our lives in this word today, in this gospel. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would fasten our lives by the gospel of Jesus, wearing the gospel like, like, a, like a coat or cloak buckled around our lives in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for anyone today that's wrestling through or struggling. God, does God see me as worthy? Does he disqualify me because of how I've lived or what I've done? Lord, I pray that every one of us would remove those thoughts from our minds, that God, we would say thank you seeing me like you saw the Apostle Paul. Lord, open our hearts today to accept your welcome invitation. Can we open our hands to the Lord? Come on, sitting all around this room. Can we open our hands to the Lord and just pray together as a church family? Nobody's looking around, eyes are closed. I just wanna know if you would say, Pastor, man, I'm, I'm in with Jesus today. I'm committing or rededicating or recommitting my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. I've heard the gospel, I'm accepting it today. If that's you, you just wave at me real quick so I know I'm leading somebody in prayer today. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Amen, man. Everybody pray this with me, especially if you just waved at me. This is your moment to, to receive a welcome invitation. But everyone pray this with me. Say, God, I've heard the word. I believe what I heard. Come on, pray it out loud. I received the gospel today that Jesus died for me and raised from the dead so that I can live my life on fire and in passion for Jesus Christ. Transform me from the inside out. Say, I'm all in. And we're gonna confess, here we go. Lord, I confess my sin. 
I ask for your forgiveness and I receive your salvation to the glory of God in Jesus' name. God, I'm all in. I'm all yours forever. Welcome home. I receive it in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Amen.